Hello, this is Father Mike Walker of Father Mike's Podcast and Father Mike's Bible Study Podcast, the pastor of St. James Catholic Church in McMinnville, Oregon. If you would like more information about the parish or the podcast, please feel free to email me at frmikewalker at gmail.com. And now, today's podcast. So first of all, imagine what it must have been like to be this woman, this poor woman, being dragged in front of this crowd and put in the center to be humiliated. And I'm sure at some point she was probably just thinking, okay, just get it over with. You know, go ahead and kill me. Stop making a spectacle out of me. And she saw the crowd, and I'm sure she understood where this was going. But also imagine that she sees Jesus, and she sees something different in him. Maybe something no one else could see. It's a reminder to us, I think, that sometimes when we find ourselves surrounded by whatever this world might bring, that we have Jesus with us. And sometimes it can be hard to see him and to recognize him for who he is and to trust that one way or another he will save us. And so I think there's a good lesson in that alone, uh, that even though this woman was publicly humiliated and probably at that point was just saying, get it over with, I don't care anymore, uh, yet there must have been something that she saw in him. We don't know, but I can't imagine that in that scene she didn't understand there was something greater that he offered her. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees, when they bring her, they're not bringing her because they really care about the law. They're trying to use her so that they can trap Jesus. And as they do that, they say, well, Jesus, in the law, it says that such women should be stoned. What do you say? They understand well that Jesus is known for being a compassionate and forgiving Messiah, and, and they want to trap him. Because on one hand, if he says that, well, go ahead and stone her, then they will be able to say, well, see, what about that Mr. Compassion over here, Mr. Merciful? Yeah, he went along with it, and he actually asked that she be stoned. But if he says, no, don't stone her, then they can turn it on in the opposite direction and say, look, he claims to be so godly, but he doesn't even follow the law. So their question is to use this woman to try to trap Jesus so they can condemn him. I often wonder as well that maybe we do something similar in some ways, that we use others to try to get what we want, or we use others to try to get God to do what we want him to do. And we're not necessarily open to what he wants. And I think there is a, a lesson in, in that as well, that when we approach our Lord, we should really allow him to be the one who speaks to us and we should be open to his ways and respond to his will rather than trying to project our will onto him. Now there's also the judgment. Now this is actually a little interesting because the, the details in the story are not always what you see on the surface. <clears throat> Here we have Jesus. He's in the temple area. Now the temple was understood by the Jews that this is where the presence of God is. And so here you have literally God incarnate present in the temple area. Now this writing in the sand, which seems a little arbitrary, is actually on the temple floor, on the stone on the temple floor. And it's literally using the word like engraving. And so there was one time in the Old Testament where that was used. And that would have been when God gave the Jews, the Israelites, the Ten Commandments. 
And so this is Jesus demonstrating his divine authority, that he is the Messiah, he is the presence of God on earth, and that symbolism, just as God wrote in the tablets of the Ten Commandments, that Jesus is now asserting his divine authority by engraving in the stone at that moment, symbolically. There's also a, another section in the book of Daniel where the king of Babylon, the Babylonian king, uh, was, he took all the vessels out of the temple and he was desecrating them by having this, this feast in, in Babylon. And at the time, the hand of God showed up and carved three words into the wall that were condemning the king and his kingdom. And so again, this is just another sign that Jesus just bending over, writing in the ground was a sign of his divine authority. But it's also the, the little detail that he was bending over as he did it is important as well. Because there was this understanding in the Jewish world that God demonstrated and showed his mercy by stooping over and coming to his people. So symbolically, if God is in heaven, if he's going to do anything for us on earth, he has to stoop down, you know, to come into our world. And so that is how God demonstrates his mercy in the Psalms and in other places in the, the Old Testament as well. And you can also even look at it as Jesus himself who humbled himself to come from heaven to earth. And so it demonstrates the mercy of God in that action. And then he straightens up. So anytime that Jesus speaks, he straightens up because this is his judgment or his proclamation that he gives in the moment. Now the scribes and the Pharisees were looking for a condemnation, but they didn't get it. Instead, Jesus turns it on them and says, okay, well, those of you without sin are the first to cast the first stone. And he's writing in the ground. We don't know what he actually wrote in the ground. Uh, some of the fathers of the church say that he wrote their sins. And other fathers will say he wrote their names in that because, again, that's the divine authority that, that he's demonstrating there. What we do know is in context, what's going on there is they were seeing in that action their own need for mercy. They understood in that moment that just as they were trying to condemn her, they just as well could be condemned because nobody is sinless and they all need God's mercy. And so this is why they all left one by one beginning with the elders because the elders who are in the know recognized what they should have recognized in that action, that messianic action. And so they left understanding that, well, if we've been shown great mercy by God preserving us and not condemning us, why can't we do the same for her? And so they leave one by one because they don't want to be condemned based on their actions. So again, this is another sign for us that we can learn from God's example that he has been so good and merciful to us. He's forgiven us for all kinds of things and he desires to save us. And as we look back on that second reading of St. Paul, he even describes it in this way like we're running this race and whatever we have behind us, we can leave behind us because that ultimate goal is that we trust in the salvation that our God offers us and we strive toward that end. And so it shows this in, in this action as well as they all leave that their hearts were changed. They had some conversion there and they left and they understood that God showed them mercy so they should show her mercy. And so again, God has been merciful to us, so we can, the least we can do is try to do our best to be merciful to others. 
All right, the last thing. At the very end of this, we see Jesus and the woman alone. So without anyone else around, now her dignity is restored. She's been lifted up. And he says to her, so is anyone here to condemn you? And she looks around and she says, no one, sir. But you know, she didn't say, yeah, you're here to condemn me. You know, she understood. She understood who Jesus was in that moment. And so he says, neither do I condemn you. So first of all, that shows the mercy of God. You know, that God does not desire to condemn us. But notice the last line. He says, so go and sin no more. Now, sometimes people will only focus on one part of this explanation. And they'll say, yeah, Jesus forgave her, but, gave her, but he also said that you, you, know, you can't sin anymore. You know, so it's almost like, you know, well, he forgave her, but she did, you know, but, but uh, he kind of does it with, with some strings attached. But that's not really what's going on here. It is true, of course, that Jesus loves us too much. Just say, you know what, you're forgiven, but just keep doing what you're doing. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't want that for us. He wants us to be who God created us to be. He wants us to be healthy and he wants us to be holy. He wants us to be restored and living according to the ways of the kingdom. And so what he wants for her is what's best for her that she realizes that she has been forgiven, but she's also been restored and lifted up so she can live as a child of the light, live as a daughter of God. And so what he's really saying to her is, you know, I don't care what everyone else thought of you in that moment. I trust in you and I can see that potential in you. It's kind of like the coach or the coworker, whoever it is who entrusts you to something that maybe you don't even see yourself. But then when they tell you or they notice it, you kind of take that to heart. So I can't help but think that this was one of the greatest compliments she could have given, he could have given her, given her, and that is that he says, you know what, you can do it. You can be the person God chose you to be, who God created you to be. And I think that's the same for us. You know, yes, we sin, we are forgiven, we're restored, and Jesus wants to save us, and he gives us all the tools for that to happen and his grace, but he also trusts us. He has faith in us that we can actually be the people he created us to be. We don't need to be moping around as if we're somehow helpless and we, we have no ability to actually follow God's will in our own life. That he will give us what we need, but we have to cooperate with that. But he trusts us and he entrusts us with his mission. So in this Sunday, we might be able to focus a little bit on some of those points. Uh, the first one is to recognize that we do have a God who is forgiving and we have a God who is merciful. We have a God of truth who comes to us and offers that to us, and his truth comes with his mercy, which should inspire us to be merciful to others, but also to understand that he gives us the grace we need, and he trusts us to be able to follow in his ways and to be people, his sons and daughters, and living according to the ways of his kingdom. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. May God bless you and be with you as you live out your faith and serve the Lord this week.